Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Hey, good morning, church. Good to see you here uh, gathered together and... Um... Would you turn to Luke 2, I mean Luke chapter 4. Turn to Luke 2 and then go two pages further. Go to Luke chapter 4 as we continue in, uh, in our series Light and Life. And we're picking up right where we left off last week. So we're at Luke 4 verse 16. So let's go there together. And as you open the scriptures, let's, uh, let's open our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we know that you promise that your spirit accompanies your living word. And that your word doesn't go out without accomplishing that for which it was sent. So as we open your scriptures, we just pray that you would uh, break through to us, that you would speak to us. Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us as we seek you with our whole heart. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people said, Amen. Amen. Luke 4 at verse 16. He went to Nazareth, that's Jesus, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. This is God's word. And we're grateful. Amen? So I want to talk to you today about the fulfilling life. The fulfilling life that Jesus offers. As he frames out his ministry in these opening moments, he goes to this church where he's used to going, and he reads this this passage, and everyone's looking at him. And he says, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is talking about the fulfilling life. Every one of us is looking for the fulfilling life. We're looking, to some degree or other, for a life that makes sense, for a life that makes a difference. We want rich things, beautiful things in our lives. We want our story, at the end of the day, through the ups and downs, to make some sense, to hang together, to be fulfilling. We want the fulfilling life. You've heard of the midlife crisis. Anybody in it right now? Go ahead. You don't have to. You don't have to. Uh, We've heard of the midlife crisis. That's what keeps Corvettes and Mustang convertibles on on the road and... And, uh, you know, God bless them. But I heard last week of a few more crises that I hadn't heard about before. See, now we want to talk about not only the midlife crisis, but we want to talk about the quarter-life crisis. Because when you're 20 to 25, you've got this moment of crisis where you're trying to find a fulfilling life. Is my life going to mean something? And now people want to talk about the three-quarters-life 
crisis where retirement's kind of approaching and everything's getting summed up and you wonder, well, you know, this got this sort of cold flush in your life thinking about that. And there's still, believe me, a really healthy, solid midlife crisis for, for us to all run through and half of us to look forward to and half of us to look back on, right? So we got all that going for us. And maybe there's some other crises too. I don't know. You know, sometimes it feels like every morning I wake up is just a tiny little crisis when you realize, oh, I've got all this to face. But every crisis is an opportunity. So Bob Buford was famous writing a book called Halftime where he said, the midlife crisis is an opportunity. It's the opportunity where we move from our search for success to our search for significance. So as we hit midlife and we kind of freak out, that's the moment, it's an opportunity God's giving you to switch from running after success toward running in for significance. And, but the truth is that now we don't really want to wait till midlife to do something significant, Right? I mean, I don't want to wait until I'm halfway done to start doing stuff that means something. Today, we want to start right now. We want a life of significance, and we want it right now. We're all searching for the fulfilling life. So why aren't we finding it? Why aren't we getting there? Well, here's the problem. What we're looking for is the fulfilling life, the things that, that are rich, that are right, that are good, that are true. But we're living, we're swimming in waters that are filled with false promises. We're swimming in waters that are filled with, uh, with promises that don't deliver, like shiny, colorful fishing lures we can't help but chomp down on. You know, every lure has got a hook and a barb on it. You know, these lures, I've been planning a little fishing trip this week, and maybe my mind kind of went that direction. I don't know. I'm pretty excited about it this summer. And you get you got gotcha plugs, you got bucktail jigs, you got Hopkins lures. How many people have, have tossed a Hopkins lure into the ocean and pulled something out? Come on. <laughs> these are beautiful things. And uh, But uh, back to the point. Okay, back to the point. There's lots of stuff out there that looks pretty, that looks shiny, that looks inviting. And it's got a hook on it. And it reverses on you. And where you thought it was going to take you becomes the exact opposite of what happens. There's promises out there that reverse on you. You know some of these things. We've got food that you eat that doesn't nourish your body. Right? We've got stuff that we drink that leaves you dehydrated. I mean, you drank a bunch of it and now you're more dehydrated than you were before. Even if you drank 32 ounces of it. 48 ounces. Pick your number, right? We've got things... I was so incensed when I was younger and I learned about lip balm that actually has a drying chemical in it. Do you know this? So that when you put it on, it actually dries your lips out. I was like, what? This is criminal. Do people know that this is happening? And so it's just you put it on once and you've got to wear it for the rest of your life. You know? You're stuck. And there's more serious stuff than that. There's more serious stuff than lip balm. You know, we've got, we've got serious things coming at it. We've got drugs, right? Even legalized. They're, they're promising something to you. They're promising you know, kind of recreation, fun, easy living, a good time. But what they're actually delivering is anxiety, paranoia, depression, self-destructive addiction, 
There's stuff out there that, that promises freedom, but then it actually wraps a chain around your neck and it holds on to. It's promises with hooks. It's promises with barbs. And they get into you. And they hold on to you and drag you. I mean, we've got food that doesn't feed us, drinks that don't satisfy us, entertainment that eats at us, consumer products that consume us, promises with hooks in a world that flips good and evil upside down. Isaiah said a long time ago how, how sad it is, how, how sorrowful, how woe to those. What sorrow there is for those who say that evil is good and good is evil who say that dark is light and light is dark, who say that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. You see, we're swimming in these waters with these lures, and everyone is telling us the exact opposite of the truth, and it's so hard to find the fulfilling life. How do you find the fulfilling life? Maybe you're here this morning, and you're, you know, you're in one of those situations. You're chomping down on some promise. You're, you're believing that the promises of the world are richer and fuller than the promises of Jesus. And when you just measure your heart, you're honest with yourself, you think, yeah, that's where I'm at. I think the the promises of the world are richer and fuller than the promises of Jesus. And you're chomping down on something. What I'm telling you is this. These promises of the world, they have hooks. And they'll turn on you. Jesus said in his ministry in John 10, the thief comes... The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He doesn't have anything else for you. Not on the front end, not on the back end. That's his only agenda, is to steal and kill and destroy as you try to run your life. But Jesus said, would you say this with me, church? I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus said, I've come for the fulfilling life. So maybe, maybe, just maybe, that Jesus' way isn't the narrow, bitter, shallow way that the world is telling you that it is. Maybe the Jesus' way is the fulfilling way, the freedom way, the promise without hooks. Jesus got up in his hometown church and he took that scroll and he said, the Spirit is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Maybe the Jesus way is the free way. We're halfway through our series, Light and Life. Each week what we're doing, church, is bouncing back and forth between these two categories, light and life, looking at Luke 4 and 5, 3, 4 and 5. And so you remember at the beginning, we saw that Jesus is the light for all the world, for all people. And we had Pastor Yusuf from Cairo up here talking about that. And then the next week, we heard from John the Baptist who told us there is a new way of life, but a new way of life entails ending your old way of life. It means you repent. There's a new way of life through repentance where you turn away from the direction since you've been going, you turn toward the Lord. And then on the third week, we had an all-church challenge, our Vision Sunday, where we had adopted as a church the challenge that we might be light and life for the city in Jesus' name. We talked about what that might mean. And then last week, Pastor Jennifer was up here to talk about how the Word of God itself is a light to beat back darkness. How Jesus, he, he beat back darkness when Satan was coming at him, when the deceiver was coming at him by using the Word of God. 
Remember, Pastor Jennifer said Satan offers shortcuts to satisfy what we want, but what the devil offers is a shabby substitute. And where do we find light that beats back darkness? Well, Jesus found it in the Word. The Word is a light. Well, today we bounce back to life. How do we find the fulfilling life? Is there a fulfilling life? The Bible was kept on scrolls, and, and, uh, and Jesus was handed the scroll of Isaiah, and then he rolled to Isaiah 61. Jesus received the Word. The Word of God received the Word of God. Are you following? Just noodle on that for a minute because it's worth thinking about. Jesus models faithfulness every step of the way, okay? And so Jesus in that moment, being the Word of God, being the Word of God, received the Word of God written as is handed to Him. And what He's saying is, friends, it is right to receive the Word of God. Are you receiving the Word of God in your life? And then He read this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim. I'm telling you, every phrase of what Jesus reads is rich in meaning. I want you to have that verse in front of you in your Bible or in the bulletin. We put it as the key verse. I want you to follow phrase by phrase. We're going to walk through everything that He says here. Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. There's always a connection between Word and Spirit. Last week we had the Word that Jesus was engaged with the deceiver, and he fought back the darkness of deception by using the Word of God, the light. Remember, Jesus won the, the, uh, the, the Super Bowl against Satan okay, last week by using the Word. And now we turn to the Spirit, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is on me. Jesus says, the Spirit of God, who is God, is on me, Jesus, who also is God, to proclaim God and the things of God. All right, you noodled on the Word of God, now noodle on that, okay? This is a profound moment. A couple of notes just for the margins of your Bible. For those of you who like to keep a little extra information in there, anointed, anointed. This is a key word. This comes from the Hebrew word Messiah or Mashiach, which means anointed one. That's what that word means. And when you translate that word into Greek, it's the word Christos, where we get the name of Jesus Christ, or where we say we christen, uh, when someone's christened, they're anointed, you see. Anointed is a key messianic word. When Jesus reads this passage, and he's making an open declaration, particularly at the end when he says all this is fulfilled right now in your hearing, particularly then, Jesus is saying, he's making an open declaration that he is the Messiah, the Christ. Just by saying the Spirit of God has anointed me. Okay, the Spirit is on me because he anointed me to say something, to proclaim, to preach, to tell you something, to reveal something. Now, just one more note, and then we'll get back to the main song, I promise. <laughs> but this is a, a very critical Trinitarian moment. The Spirit of God, who is God, descends on Jesus the Son, who is God, to declare the things of God. And the Spirit of God doesn't anoint or sit on Jesus to declare something entirely new or from left field or some entirely new information. It's Jesus is reading Isaiah here, and Jesus is proclaiming with consistency 
who God is and who God has been declaring himself to be from creation through scripture right up till that moment. It's the same God and there's this, this whole idea of Jesus coming and saying, well, there was this old God and now you don't have to deal with them and I'm the new God and you just deal with me is absolutely false. Jesus is declaring that there's one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and because he is declaring with consistency the heart and character of the one true God, the Spirit of God is on him to anoint him. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God. Are you with me? I don't know where that's going to help you, but it's going to help you. Just put it in the margin of your Bible. Remember that, okay? Now, Jesus is declaring the very character and heart of God. What's God like? Well, here we get some of it. He says God's the God who declares good news to the poor. Well, I thought... I thought powerful gods blessed powerful people. I thought rich gods blessed rich people. I thought that beautiful gods blessed just the beautiful people. You know, I thought that's how God worked. No, the one true God. The one true God. He sees every single person. He has good news for those who least expect it. He has good news for you and for me. See, that's revolutionary. That's a turn. That's a different way of looking at the world that God has regard for the poor. Good news doesn't often come to the house of the poor. The poor man's house often watches through the window as good news walks right by, you see? But God says, I've got something different for you, good news just for you. To proclaim, the Spirit of God is, is to proclaim, is on me to proclaim freedom for prisoners, liberty for captives. Do you have a hook in your lip? How long has it been there? See, when you're, in, when you're enslaved by something, when you're encaged, when you're stuck, you start to think that that's all that life's got. You start to think that my life is defined by the bounds of this captivity, by the bounds of these walls, by the prison bars. I can never go any further than this, this line that's pulling me back. I'm hooked. I'm stuck. Jesus says, I got something different for you today. There may yet be more freedom for your life than you have not yet known. Because the Spirit of God has anointed me to proclaim freedom and liberty for the captives. Are you there? Amen. He says, uh, recovery of sight for the blind. I'm going to bring recovery of sight for the blind. Let me ask you, what can you not see from where you sit? What is it that you cannot see from where you are? Friends, the answer to that question is, you don't know. You don't know what you can't see that Jesus can see about your life and what your life is meant to be. You don't know what you can't see, but Jesus can see about fulfillment and a fullness of life and the full life that he has come to bring. You don't know what you can't see. And Jesus says, I have been anointed to proclaim the recovery of sight to the blind. Jesus, he's declaring that I'm the one with the power to bring sight to those who cannot see all that God has for them. You know, when Jesus was in his ministry on earth and he was walking and he was, and he was healing literally blind people, he did that not only to bring healing to them in their physical body, which is a blessing. He did that to 
authenticate his power to bring sight to those who couldn't see the things of God and the kingdom of God. And you and I, we can't see at all. I'm blind. And you're blind to what God actually wants to do through your life. And Jesus says, I've got sight for the blind. I've got freedom for the oppressed. You know, it breaks God's heart how we oppress one another. If you open up the book of Habakkuk, it's the minor prophet. It just opens up chapter 1. It's just God surveying human life, human history, and he's just broken heart. He's appalled at how we've used our intellect and our gifts and our talents just to construct nets and hooks and barbs to trap one another and oppress one another. What Jesus brings is freedom and liberty and a push against what pushes down. And then, finally, verse 29. Uh, sorry, 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me. All this stuff. Jesus is saying, this is the heart and character of God. I've anointed all this stuff under the Spirit of God to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What's the year of the Lord's favor? What does that mean? Is that just the year that everything falls together? Is that that really good year when, uh, you know... Uh, the girl wrote me back and we went to the dance. Is that the really good year where, uh, you know, uh, I finally got the job or I've got into that school? What's the year of the Lord's favor? What do you think it is? Friends, let me tell you about the Jubilee year. You can read about it in Leviticus 25. And it's exactly what Jesus is referring to, exactly what Isaiah is referring to, the Jubilee year. Maybe you didn't know that God plans a year like this. Maybe you didn't know that God's got a heart for a moment in time like this. What's the Jubilee year? That's the year that if you've been captive under a mountain of debt, your debt is released and you're set free. That's the year where if you've been captive to your own mistakes that left you off your land and far from the land that belonged to you and your family, your land comes home to you. That's the year, friends, where if you've been on hungry and thirsty and unfed and unnourished on a barren land with soil that's been spoiled by pollution and overuse, the Jubilee year is the year where the land itself rests and returns to fruitfulness. That's the year of the Lord and the year of of His favor. If you've been captive to your own wandering and you've been far from home, this is the year that you get to come home again. I don't know if you want a jubilee year in your life, but if you're feeling like clapping, you can if you want. What's the year of the Lord's favor? It's the year of freedom. It's the year that captives are set free. It's the year that slavery ends and people walk out. It's the year that prodigals come home. If you have been captive in your heart, if you've been bound in your heart, if you have been stuck far from God and far from His grace, this is the year. This is the year of the Lord's favor where you don't just know He loves you, you feel He loves you. Where you don't just long for home, you know home. It's the year of the Lord. And God's got a year like that for you. It's the year that the hook finally comes out of the lip. Don't you want a year like that? When is it? When's it coming? Is it 2019? Is it 2020? Is it 2021? When is this year? Friends, Jesus tells you. Now lean in now. 
Look at this, verse 20 and 21. Jesus says on the back of all this, this sermon, he sums up this, this whole sermon in one sentence. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were what? Fastened on him. I mean, they were locked on him. And Jesus says, look to me, turn to me, fasten all your gaze on me. And he sits down and he says one sentence today. This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture is what? Fulfilled in your hearing. Today. Today, not tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's coming. It's got its own worries. Don't don't worry about yesterday. That's all behind. I want you to put it behind. Today, he says. He says, all eyes on me. All eyes on Jesus. I'm sitting here in your presence and I'm telling you, today. Today, now is the year of the favor of the Lord. You look to me and find the life that is fulfilling. Amen? It's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. Today. What I'm telling you, friends, is that Jesus is inviting you to know this fulfilling life. But I've got another step for you. And, hey, lean in on me because... I think uh, three, uh, I've tried to pitch this uh, three times already. It didn't really hit, okay? <laughs> so lean in. This is critical. I want you to get this. Jesus is not only saying, I've got your life in a fulfilling way, but he's saying, I want to invite you to live a fulfilling life. He's saying, I want you to be a part of a fulfilling life. Friends, here's the interesting thing. Everybody knew that passage in Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. Everybody knew that passage. They all knew that it was a messianic passage. And they were all hoping, waiting, waiting, longing that somebody, that God would send somebody to read that passage through and live it out. And Jesus got up and he read that passage and he had all the authority of the Spirit of God on him and everybody in the room just turned their eyes right on him like, what is this it? Is this it? But Jesus, he didn't read the whole passage. In fact, he stopped, and he left a window open. Now, look at this. Isaiah 61, 2 reads, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what he read, and that's where he stopped. And the day of vengeance of our God. And Jesus, he stopped right there, and he sat down. So that's it. And what he was doing right then was he was opening up a window. Do you see? He was saying the, the, the ministry of the Messiah begins right now. The new age begins right now. Redemption and a fulfilling life begins right now, today, in me. But that's the opening ceremonies, and you thought the closing ceremonies were coming today, but they're not. The closing ceremonies are way off in the future. And in between today and when the closing ceremonies come, you're invited to participate with me in a fulfilling life. Are you with me? Jesus said, I don't want to just do this today. I want you to get pulled in to be a part of this. And so you and I, we get to be a part of the fulfillment of the promises of God. You and I, we get to bring good news to the poor. You and I, we get to proclaim release to the captives. You and I, we get to bring freedom 
to the oppressed, to get people out of captivity. And don't over-spiritualize it right off the bat. Jesus wants you participating in actually bringing sight to people who are actually physically blind. Jesus wants you participating in bringing actual food to people who are actually hungry, not just existentially hungry, okay? People who are hungry. He wants you to bring things to help people that are oppressed, to push back against systems that push people down. He wants you to be a part of releasing the captives. Friends, there are people in captivity right now, children in captivity right now. And Jesus wants to activate you, his church, to get them out. He wants you to be a part of fulfilling the promises of God. And you and I, we get to participate in a fulfilling life. Rich Stearns was here for, see, I I don't know if if that hit or not. Did that hit? (laughs) <laughs> see it's not just uh, hey I'm, I'm going to heal you you get to be free it's, it's Jesus saying I want to use you to bring beauty to bring freedom to bring help a guy was here last week named Rich Stearns for a national conference that we hosted and, um, and uh, Rich Stearns was 20 years president of World Vision which is a global Christian relief agency it's been doing great stuff since 1950 helping all kinds of people and Rich told us a story because last year they were hiring a director of communications for their whole global organization and they were interviewing this one guy who had worked for Fortune 500 companies he'd been through all kinds of communications messes I mean really qualified and, and this guy said to them I'd love to tell your story. Oh, man, after the stuff I've had to do, I would love to tell the story of World Vision. He said, because you guys have got the Jesus everybody loves. And they kind of leaned forward and said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you've got the Jesus, you know, that, that rescues orphans. You've got the Jesus that, that brings food to the hungry. You've got the Jesus that, that brings justice and peace wherever he goes. You've got the Jesus everybody loves. And that kind of stuck in the back of Rich Stern's mind. And he kind of thought and scratched his head and, and wondered, is there another Jesus? <laughs> is there another Jesus? Have we accidentally been offering some false Jesus? Have we accidentally been presenting to the world some Jesus whose character and whose heart isn't like that? Where is the Jesus everybody loves? How can I be a part of the Jesus everybody loves? Friends, I'm telling you, he's right here. He's right here. And he proclaims the character of God and invites you into it. As the praise team comes out behind me, Jesus not only says, I bring you freedom, I invite you into life. Jesus also says, I invite you to be a part of fulfilling the promises of God in a broken world. See, this is the life that Jesus is inviting you to. This is the Jesus that everybody loves. He's light and he's life and he makes a difference. And he wants you to be a part of of the promises of God being fulfilled in the world between the time that he initiated his ministry and the closing ceremonies. You get to be a part of this. And you know, you know, don't you, Jesus could fix all this just on his own. He could fix it all just by his power. But he doesn't want to do that. He wants to pull you in. He says to his disciples, come and follow me. He says to those he's teaching, go and do likewise. Why? Because he, he wants to give you a fulfilling life. 
a story with meaning, a story that makes sense. He wants you to invite you into his work of fulfilling the promises of God and the coming kingdom of God. Why? Because it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's profound. And he wants you to be a part of it. Where do you find a fulfilling life in a world that's bent all around with confusion and lies that promises you one thing and wraps you up in chains? Where do you find the fulfilling life? You find it in Christ. Where do you find a fulfilling life to give you meaning and purpose, to know that you're living the days? Not just talking about the kingdom of God, not just believing in the kingdom of God, but acting in the kingdom of God. Isn't that what you want? I want to do something right. I want to do something that matters. I want to do something that brings glory to Jesus. And Jesus invites you right into that as you follow him, as you follow him, and are a part of what he is doing in the world. Friends, where do you find the promise without hooks? You find it in Jesus. You know, he took the, the barbs and the hooks on himself. You think Jesus doesn't know what it feels like to be pierced through, to be stuck. Would you just look to him and see him pinned to the cross in utter helplessness? Do you know how much he loves you? He loves you so dearly that he took all of that pain on himself so that you wouldn't be stuck anymore. You'd know freedom. You'd know life. You'd know purpose. You'd be healed. You'd walk right now into the year of God's favor, into his healing love and redeeming grace. And you'd hear his call, not just to set you free from, but to set you free for glorious, glorious purpose. The life given over to Jesus is the most fulfilling life. Lord, we pray and ask that you would speak to us by your word, convince us, change our hearts, pierce through our, our hardened spirits, and just show us something of your glory right now. Lord, we know you operate in today. So today is the moment. You operate in the now, and now is the moment where you're here, Lord Jesus. By your promises, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them by your raising from the dead and, and the empty grave and your eternal life. You're here. You're right here, Jesus, and you love everyone here. No matter how pierced through we feel or pulled apart we feel, you are here to set us free. Take the hooks out of our lives, Lord, and help us to stand up again and walk and even run into your arms of love. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.